Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at rainnetwork.com. This is Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Welcome aboard. In this episode, we're talking about the United States' efforts to curb China's access to advanced semiconductor manufacturing equipment, a move that could seriously disrupt China's chip ambitions. Here with details is Matthew Bay, Rain's Senior Global Analyst. Welcome, Matthew. How are you, Emily? I'm good. It's great to have you here. Can I ask you to summarize the latest moves that the United States has made against China's semiconductor sector? Yeah, so um, earlier this month, we had the United States uh, Commerce Department, um, one of its uh, bureaus, uh, announcing a number of different restrictions all on the same day. Um, One of these, um, for example, um, basically blocked the sale or exports, or at least required a company to apply for a license for of advanced semiconductor uh, manufacturing equipment that would be used to uh, manufacture very uh, advanced semiconductors that are in the area of um, powerful logic chips, power, and uh, more advanced memory chips. Um, in addition, uh, the the Commerce Department also listed um, a number of companies, including YMTC, which is um, one of China's leading state-owned memory chip companies. Um, on its um, unverified list, which basically means that U.S. officials can't really verify and investigate them. Um, And then they also made it easier for them to move companies that are on the unverified list to what is called the entity list. And the entity list is significant as that is basically a a blacklist that is um, one of the harshest in terms of um, blocking U.S. exports to to those companies in question. Um, Now, the U.S. has allowed some loopholes, so they've said that they will grant some uh, temporary authorizations, and they have done so already, uh, but that's mainly going to um, foreign companies that are actually building those chips and making those chips inside of China. So, for example, um, TSMC or Samsung, not necessarily your Chinese state-owned semiconductor manufacturers. So what is the U.S. trying to do with this, and, and could they be successful? So, yeah, the U.S. is trying to effectively make it so China does not have access to um, advanced semiconductor uh, manufacturing equipment because that's the Achilles heel um, of China's overall chip ambitions. The U.S. really doesn't want to see, for a number of reasons, um, China's chip sector um, rivaling the United States, is rivaling U.S. allies, etc. Um, and if you read the Biden administration's national security um, strategy, which was released earlier this month, it very it clearly states that the U.S. will try to um, prevent China, well, adversaries technically, um, from gaining those technologies. And export controls is one way of doing that. So effectively, the U.S. is saying that not only do I want to, you know, limit China's growth as a geopolitical power, but I also want to make sure that its economic power is also somewhat uh, limited. Now, can they be successful? The answer is, you know, what, probably. Um, when you look at the the, the chip industry, um, semiconductor manufacturing equipment is among the most significant and most technologically advanced in the industry, and it's one where Chinese companies are multiple generations, almost you know, dec- you can measure the time behind their international peers almost in decades um, for some of their chip uh, manufacturing equipment providers. So 
without that equipment, we're talking about basically um, ch- leading Chinese semiconductor manufacturers, not even the equipment manufacturers, um, you know, re- remaining, you know, a few generations behind the leading edge, uh, which means that, you know, Chinese built and chi- uh, indigenously Chinese built um, semiconductors will not be as advanced as U.S. manufactured or Japanese manufactured or Taiwanese manufactured. And that from the U.S.'s perspective will give the leg up to international com- uh, competitors as well as the leg up to the U.S. military when it comes to military applications. Um, and in the U.S., like I said, will probably be somewhat effective just given the fact that you're talking about um, a stranglehold over a, techn- a key piece of technology that China will take China, you know, five, ten, maybe even longer years to actually develop in-house. So this sounds like a pretty significant step. What would China possibly do in response? So obviously China will still try to support its uh, indigenization strategy when it comes to chip manufacturing. These kinds of moves just reinforces to to China's leadership um, that the, the need to uh, basically... Um, diversify and well, not diversify, just basically uh, manufacture as much of it, uh, at home and reduce reliance on foreign technology. Now, what they can't do is necessarily gain that just overnight. Um, but there are some things that we can anticipate moving forward. For example, we would expect the Chinese government to expand or at least uh, maintain a high level of financial support for those companies. We would anticipate, you know, a, a higher un, um, reason for them to carry out say, what the U.S. would perceive to be illicit activities like stealing IP, um, cyber espionage, those kinds of things, and giving over trade secrets to Chinese competitors. Um, But I think the other thing to think about more broadly is, all things considered, China really hasn't gone aggressively against U.S. companies um, in retaliation for a number of different restrictions that the U.S. put into place over the last four or five years. Um, When you look at the way that China responded um, to uh, President Trump's trade war, we didn't really see them doing anything around, say, you know, um, a U.S. company's business interests in China. They didn't go after a Walmart in a very significant way. They didn't go after uh, KFC. They didn't go after any of these companies. Um, now, they've those, uh, a number of these companies have had run-ins with China for various issues, but we didn't really see a as significant as in, like, just like, for example, nationalizing a U.S. multinational co- uh, corporation's assets in China. We didn't see any of that. Um, while China hasn't done that, what it has done over the last um, few years is it's built up essentially um, a number of different legal mechanisms that it can use uh, eventually to start to um, list U.S. companies on. So they have what they now have are calling the anti, uh, anti-foreign anti sanctions list. They have what's called the unreliable entities list, um, which are similar counterparts to what the U.S. has. And it is possible that at some point, if the U.S. makes as significant moves, and I think the one that we're seeing right now against the semiconductor is among the most significant the U.S. has made, if not the most significant, um, at some point, China may reassess whether or not they need to not just have these lists on paper, but start putting companies on them in a much more aggressive fashion. They've only done that really sparingly, to be honest. What does this tell us about the broader U.S. strategy against China? What is significant about the, the latest round of restrictions is is that it's not necessarily just going after specific companies. Yes, the U.S. as a part of the as a part of the announcements did list YMTC um, on its unverif- uh, unverified list, um, but we saw basically a sanction or an, an uh, restrictions against an entire swath of the Chinese economy. You know, the semiconductor industry at large when it comes to these more advanced chips. 
Um, previously, the most of the things that we had seen, um, with the exception of a few things like the, well, the, tra the trade war being one example of that, um, we had seen most of the tech restrictions being focused on specific companies. So, for example, the um, listing a few years ago of Huawei, the smartphone manufacturer, um, on the entity list, um, placing a number of drone companies on the entity list, um, creating a new list of companies that are close to the Chinese military um, and restricting U.S. investment into those companies. Um, but what's different now is they're at least signaling a willingness, either um, knowingly or unknowingly, I guess, to be honest, um, they're signaling a willingness to actually go against um, China in a much more holistic fashion, targeting sectors as opposed to companies, um, which does bring a different kind of risk in terms of um, the types of business activities that can be restricted by a U.S. business. Obviously, if they're you're only restricting advanced semiconductors to you know, a Huawei, that's one thing. But if you're saying you're advanced, uh, restricting um, AI and other chips to all of China, that's an entirely different thing when it comes to what uh, what companies can do. And moving forward, there are a few other proposals that are on the table um, that would be in a similar fashion. The one that I'm going to bring a, draw example to is the proposal by the U.S. to um, review, to set up a new board that would, or a new board that would review um, outbound investments into China. Now, there's a lot of movement on Capitol Hill against this idea, but if there's a review mechanism to to look at investments into China over national security. Um, that is, again, going to deter um, investment into China into, say, um, the semiconductor industry or into the, the broader um, industry for just Internet technology in general. Um, so that would be, again, more of this kind of sectoral hit as opposed to specifically going after just Chinese um, companies on a case-by-case, -case, you know, whack-a-mole basis. Matthew Bay is Rain's senior global analyst. His analysis appears in Rain Worldview, the risk intelligence app for professionals, and our consumer publication, which offers objective geopolitical analysis and intelligence covering the global landscape. You can find out more about Rain and its products, including Rain Worldview, at rainnetwork.com. That's R A N E network.com. I'm Emily Dunhue. Thanks for listening.